Act Four of the Two Gentlemen of Verona. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Two Gentlemen of Verona, by William Shakespeare. Act Four. Scene One. The frontiers of Mantua, a forest. Enter certain outlaws. Fellows, stand fast. I see a passenger. If there be ten, shrink not, but down with them. Enter Valentine, and speed. Stand, sir, and throw us what you have about ye. If not, we'll make you sit and rifle you. Sir, we are undone. These are the villains that all the travellers do fear so much. Uh, my friends? That's not so, sir. We are your enemies. Peace. We'll hear him. Ay, by my beard will we, for he's a proper man. Then know that I have little wealth to lose. A man I crossed with adversity. My riches are these poor habiliments of which, if you should here disfurnish me, you take the sum and substance that I have. Whither travel you? To Verona. Which came you? From Milan. Have you long sojourned there? Some sixteen months, and longer might have stayed if crooked fortune had not thwarted me. What? Were you banished thence? I was. For what offence? For that which now torments me to rehearse. I killed a man whose death I much repent. But yet I slew him manfully in fight, without false vantage or base treachery. Why, ne'er repent it if it were done so. But were you banished for so small a fault? I was, and held me glad of such a doom. Have you the tongues? My youthful travel therein made me happy, or else I often had been miserable. By the bare scalp of Robin Hood's fat friar, this fellow were a king for our wild faction. We'll have him. Sirs, a word. Master, be one of them. It's an honorable kind of thievery. Peace, villain! Tell us this. Have you anything to take to? Nothing but my fortune. Know, then, that some of us are gentlemen, such as the fury of ungoverned youth thrust from the company of awful men. Myself was from Verona banished, for practicing to steal away a lady, an heir, and near allied unto the duke. And I from Mantua, for a gentleman who, in my mood, I stabbed unto the heart. And I for such pity crimes as these, but to the purpose, for we sight our faults that they may hold excuse our lawless lives. And partly, seeing you are beautified with goodly shape, and by your own report a linguist, and a man of such perfection as we do in our quality much want. Indeed. Because you are a banished man, therefore above the rest we parley to you. Are you content to be our general, to make a virtue of necessity and live, as we do, in this wilderness? What sayest thou? Wilt thou be of our consort? Say I, and be the captain of us all. We'll do thee homage and be ruled by thee. Love thee as our commander and our king. But if thou scorn our courtesy, thou diest. Thou shalt not live to brag what we have offered. I, I take your offer, and will live with you, provided that you do no outrages on silly women or poor passengers. No, we detest such vile, base practices. 
Come, go with us. We'll bring thee to our cruise, and show thee all the treasure we have got, which, with ourselves, all rest at thy dispose. Exeunt. Scene two. Milan. Outside the Duke's palace, under Sylvia's chamber. Enter Proteus. Already I have been false to Valentine, and now I must be as unjust to Thurio. Under the color of commending him, I have access my own love to prefer. But Sylvia is too fair, too true, too holy to be corrupted with my worthless gifts. When I protest true loyalty to her, she twits me with my falsehood to my friend. When, to her beauty I commend my vows, she bids me think how I have been forsworn in breaking faith with Julia, whom I loved. And, notwithstanding all her sudden quips, the least whereof would quell a lover's hope, yet, spaniel-like, the more she spurns my love, the more it grows, and fawneth on her still. But here comes Thurio. Now must we to her window, and give some evening music to her ear. Enter Thurio and musicians. How now, Sir Proteus, are you crept before us? Ay, gentle Thurio, for you know that love will creep in service where it cannot go. Ay, but I hope, sir, that you love not here. Sir, but I do, or else I would be hence. Who? Sylvia? Ay, Sylvia, for your sake. I thank you for your own. Now, gentlemen, let's tune and do it lustily a while. Enter at a distance, host and Julia in boys' clothes. Now, my young guest, methinks you're early jolly. I pray you, why is it? Marry, mine host, because I cannot be merry. Come, we'll have you merry. I'll bring you where you shall hear music, and see the gentleman that you asked for. But shall I hear him speak? Ay, that you shall. That will be music. Music plays. Hark, hark! Is he among these? Ay, but peace, let's hear him. Song Who is Sylvia? What is she, that all our swains commend her? Holy, fair, and wise is she. The heaven such grace did lend her, that she might admired be. Is she kind as she is fair? For beauty lives with kindness. Love doth to her eyes repair, To help him of his blindness, And being helped, inhabits there. Then to Sylvia let us sing, That Sylvia is excelling, She excels each mortal thing, Upon the dull earth dwelling. To her let us garlands bring. How now? Are you sadder than you were before? How do you, man? The music likes you not. You mistake. The musician likes me not. Why, my pretty youth? He plays false, father. How? Out of tune on the strings? Not so but yet so false that he grieves my very heart-strings. You have a quick ear. Ay, I would I were deaf, 
It makes me have a slow heart. I perceive you delight not in music. Not a whit when it jars so. Hark! What fine change is in the music! Ay, that change is the spite. You would have them always play but one thing? I would always have one play but one thing. But, host, doth this Sir Proteus that we talk on often resort unto this gentlewoman? I'll tell you what Launce his man told me. He loved her out of all Nick. Where is Launce? Gone to seek his dog, which to-morrow, by his master's command, he must carry for a present to his lady. Peace! Stand aside, the company parts. Sir Thurio, fear not you. I will so plead that you shall say my cunning drift excels. Where meet we? At St. Gregory's well. Farewell. Exeunt Thurio and musicians. Enter Sylvia above. Madam, good even to your ladyship. I thank you for your music, gentlemen. Who is that that spake? One, lady, if you knew his pure heart's truth, you would quickly learn to know him by his voice. Sir Proteus, as I take it. Sir Proteus, gentle lady, and your servant. What's your will? That I may compass yours. You have your wish. My will is even this, that presently you hie you home to bed. Thou subtle, perjured, false, disloyal man! Think'st thou I am so shallow, so conceitless to be seduced by thy flattery that has deceived so many with thy vows? Return, return, and make thy love amends. For me, by this pale queen of night, I swear I am so far from granting thy request that I despise thee for thy wrongful suit, and by and by intend to chide myself even for this time I spend in talking to thee. I grant, sweet love, that I did love a lady, but she is dead. Aside. Oh, twere false if I should speak it, for I am sure she is not buried. Say that she be. Yet Valentine, thy friend, survives, to whom thyself art witness, I am betrothed. And art thou not ashamed to wrong him with thy importunacy? I likewise hear that Valentine is dead. And so suppose am I, for in his grave assure thyself my love is buried. Sweet lady, let me rake it from the earth. Go to thy lady's grave, and call hers thence, or, at the least, in hers sepulchre thine. Aside. He heard not that. Madam, if your heart be so obdurate, vouchsafe me yet your picture for my love, the picture that is hanging in your chamber. To that I'll speak, to that I'll sigh and weep, for since the substance of your perfect self is else devoted, I am but a shadow, and to your shadow will I make true love. Aside, if twere a substance you would sure deceive it, and make it but a shadow, as I am. I am very loath to be your idol, sir. But since your falsehood shall become you well to worship shadows and adore false shapes, send to me in the morning, and I'll send it. And so, good rest. 
as wretches have o'er night that wait for execution in the morn Axiant proteus and sylvia severally host will you go oh by my halidom i was fast asleep pray you where lies sir proteus marry at my house trust me i think tis almost day not so but it hath been the longest night that e'er i watched and the most heaviest exeunt scene three the same enter eglamore this is the hour that madam sylvia entreated me to call and know her mind there's some great matter she'll employ me in madam madam enter sylvia above who calls your servant and your friend one that attends your ladyship's command sir eglamour a thousand times good morrow as many worthy lady to yourself according to your ladyship's impose i am thus early come to know what service it is your pleasure to command me in o oh, eglamour thou art a gentleman think not i flatter for i swear i do not valiant wise remorseful well accomplished thou art not ignorant what dear good will i bear unto the banished valentine nor how my father would enforce me marry vain thurio whom my very soul abhors thyself hast loved and i have heard thee say no grief did ever come so near thy heart as when thy lady and thy true love died upon whose grave thou vowedst pure chastity sir eglamour i would to valentine to mantua where i hear he makes abode and for the ways are dangerous to pass i do desire thy worthy company upon whose faith and honour i repose urge not my father's anger eglamour but think upon my grief a lady's grief and on the justice of my flying hence to keep me from a most unholy match which heaven and fortune still rewards with plagues i do desire thee even from a heart as full of sorrows as the sea of sands to bear me company and go with me if not to hide what i have said to thee that i may venture to depart alone madam i pity much your grievances which since i know they virtuously are placed i give consent to go along with you recking as little what betideth me as much i wish all good be fortune you when will you go this evening coming where shall i meet you at friar patrick's cell where i intend holy confession i will not fail your ladyship good morrow gentle lady good morrow kind sir eglamour Exeunt severally. Scene four. The same. Enter Launce with his dog. When a man's servant shall play the cur with him, look you, it goes hard. One that I brought up of a puppy. One that I saved from drowning when three or four of his blind brothers and sisters went to it. I have taught him, even as one would say precisely, thus I would teach a dog. I was sent to deliver him as a present to Mistress Sylvia from my master. And I came no sooner into the dining chamber, but he steps me to her trencher and steals her capon's leg. Oh, tis a foul thing when a cur cannot keep himself in all companies. I would have, as one should say, one that takes upon him to be a dog indeed, to be, as it were, a dog at all things. 
If I had not had more wit than he, to take a fault upon me that he did, I think verily he had been hanged for it. Sure as I live he had suffered for it. You shall judge. He thrusts me himself into the company of three or four gentlemen-like dogs under the duke's table. He had not been there, bless the mark, a pissing while, but all the chamber smelt him. Out with the dog, says one. What cur is that? says another. Whip him out, says the third. Hang him up, says the duke. I, having been acquainted with the smell before, knew that it was crab, and goes me to the fellow that whips the dogs. Friend, quoth I, you mean to whip the dog? Ay, marry, do I, quoth he. You do him the more wrong, quoth I. Twas I did the thing you wot of. He makes me no more ado, but whips me out of the chamber. How many masters would do this for his servant? Nay, I'll be sworn. I have sat in the stocks for puddings he hath stolen, otherwise he had been executed. I have stood on the pillory for geese he hath killed, otherwise he had suffered for it. Thou thinkst not of this now. Nay, I remember the trick you served me when I took my leave of Madam Sylvia. Did not I bid thee still mark me and do as I do? When didst thou see me heave up my leg and make water against a gentlewoman's farthingale? Didst thou ever see me do such a trick? Enter Proteus and Julia. Sebastian is thy name. I like thee well, and will employ thee in some service presently. In what you please, I'll do what I can. I hope thou wilt. To Launce. How now, you horse and peasant? Where have you been these two days loitering? Mary, sir, I carried Mistress Sylvia the dog you bade me. And what says she to my little jewel? Mary, she says your dog was a cur, and tells you currish thanks is good enough for such a present. But she received my dog? No, indeed, did she not? Here have I brought him back again. What? Didst thou offer her this from me? Ay, sir. The other squirrel was stolen from me by the hangman boys in the marketplace, and then I offered her mine own, who is a dog as big as ten of yours, and therefore the gift the greater. Go get thee hence, and find my dog again, or ne'er return again into my sight. Away, I say. Stayst thou to vex me here? Exit Launce. <sighs> a slave that's still an end turns me to shame. Sebastian, I have entertained thee, partly that I have need of such a youth that can with some discretion do my business, for tis no trusting to yon foolish lout, but chiefly for thy face and thy behaviour, which, if my augury deceive me not, witness good bringing up, fortune, and truth. Therefore know thou, for this I entertain thee. Go presently, and take this ring with thee. Deliver it to Madam Sylvia. She loved me well, delivered it to me. It seems you loved not her to leave her token. She is dead, belike. Not so. I think she lives. Alas! Why dost thou cry, alas? I cannot choose but pity her. Wherefore shouldst thou pity her? Because, methinks, that she loved you as well as you do love your lady Sylvia. She dreams of him that has forgot her love. 
you dote on her that cares not for your love. Tis pity love should be so contrary, and thinking of it makes me cry. Alas! Well, give her that ring, and therewithal this letter. That's her chamber. Tell, my lady, I claim the promise for her heavenly picture. Your message done, hie home unto my chamber, where thou shalt find me sad and solitary. Exit. How many women would do such a message? Alas, poor Proteus, thou hast entertained a fox to be the shepherd of thy lambs. Alas, poor fool, why do I pity him that with his very heart despiseth me? Because he loves her, he despiseth me. Because I love him, I must pity him. This ring I gave him when he parted from me, to bind him to remember my good will. And now am I unhappy messenger to plead for that which I would not obtain, to carry that which I would have refused, to praise his faith which I would have dispraised. I am my master's true confirmed love, but cannot be true servant to my master, unless I prove false traitor to myself. Yet will I woo for him, but yet so coldly as heaven it knows I would not have him speed. Enter Sylvia, attended. Gentlewoman, good day. I pray you, be my mean to bring me where to speak with Madame Sylvia. What would you with her, if that I be she? If you be she, I do entreat your patience to hear me speak the message I am sent on. From whom? From my master, Sir Proteus, madam. Oh, he sends you for a picture. Ay, madam. Ursula, bring my picture here. Go. Give your master this. Tell him from me, one Julia, that his changing thoughts forget, would better fit his chamber than this shadow. Madam, please you peruse this letter. Pardon me, madam, I have unadvised delivered you a paper that I should not. This is the letter to your ladyship. I pray thee, let me look on that again. It may not be. Good madam, pardon me. There, hold, I will not look upon your master's lines. I know they are stuffed with protestations, and full of new-found oaths, which he will break as easily as I do tear his paper. Madam, he sends your ladyship this ring. The more shame for him that he sends it me. For I have heard him say a thousand times his Julia gave it him at his departure. Though his false finger have profaned the ring, mine shall not do his Julia so much wrong. She thanks you. What says that? I thank you, madam, that you tender her. Poor gentlewoman, my master wrongs her much. Dost thou know her? Almost as well as I do know myself. To think upon her woes I do protest that I have wept a hundred several times. Belike she thinks that Proteus hath forsook her. I think she doth, and that's her cause of sorrow. Is she not passing fair? She hath been fairer, madam, than she is. When she did think my master loved her well, she in my judgment was as fair as you. But since she did neglect her looking-glass, and threw her sun-expelling mask away, the air hath starved the roses in her cheeks, and pinched the lily-tincture of her face, that now she is become as black as I. How tall was she? About my stature, for at Pentecost, when all our pageants of delight were played, our youth got me to play the woman's part. And I was trimmed in Madame Julia's gown, 
which served me as fit by all men's judgments as if the garment had been made for me. Therefore I know she is about my height. And at that time I made her weep a good, for I did play a lamentable part. Madam, t'was Ariadne passioning for Theseus' perjury and unjust flight, which I so lively acted with my tears that my poor mistress, moved therewithal, wept bitterly. And would I might be dead if I in thought felt not her very sorrow. She is beholding to thee, gentle youth. Alas, poor lady, desolate and left. I weep myself to think upon thy words. Here, youth, there is my purse. I give thee this for thy sweet mistress's sake, because thou lovest her. Farewell. Exit Sylvia with attendance. And she shall thank you for it, if e'er you know her. A virtuous gentlewoman, mild and beautiful. I hope my master's suit will be but cold, since she respects my mistress's love so much. Alas, how love can trifle with itself! Here is her picture. Let me see. I think if I had such attire, this face of mine were full as lovely as is this of hers. And yet the painter flattered her a little, unless I flatter with myself too much. Her hair is auburn, mine is perfect yellow. If that be all the difference in his love, I'll get me such a coloured periwig. Her eyes are grey as glass, and so are mine. Ay, but her forehead's low, and mine's as high. What should it be that he respects in her, but that I can make respective in myself, if this fond love were not a blinded god? Come, shadow, come and take this shadow up, for tis thy rival. O oh, thou senseless form, thou shalt be worshipped, kissed, loved, and adored. And were there sense in his idolatry, my substance should be statued in thy stead. I'll use thee kindly for thy mistress' sake, that used me so. Or else, by Jove, I vow, I should have scratched out your unseeing eyes to make my master out of love with thee. Exit End of Act Four